This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Another beautiful day on the way around the state of Wisconsin. How are you, everybody? I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke, tickled to be along with you, bringing you a nice sunshiny forecast for today. Looks like daytime highs are going to reach 76, so very comfortable out there. Overnight lows down to 56. Another beautiful day tomorrow, 78 our expected high. Thursday, day number one of the Wisconsin State Fair, beautiful sunshine and 81 degrees. want to thank everybody that showed up yesterday for the Southern Wisconsin FFA Foundation golf outing. Glad that me, Reba, and Josh could be your hosts in Middleton. Raised a lot of good money all towards the blue and gold. And again, thank you for your generosity. So up before 6 this morning, it's a Tuesday. That means Bryce Knorr joining us live via Skype. We're also going to be talking about Premise identification in Wisconsin. It's law. If you own even one goat, one pig, one sheep, you need to make sure that the state of Wisconsin knows where that animal is being housed. The deadline for reapplication, you've got to keep that number and information fresh, is coming up tomorrow. We're talking about it. Reba McClone's got an update for us after 530. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Every week during the planting, growing, and harvesting season, we get a crop progress report. Corn, beans, wheat, oats, barley, everything else. But what about cranberries? We have to go to the cranberry bogs to find out how that's going. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and of course Wisconsin far and away the leader in cranberry production. And uh, Pam, some of your folks went out into the bogs. What did they find out? Yeah, you bet, Bob. Fabulous farm mate Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And it, it's kind of fun. Uh, I've got Josh Scramlin, a Michigan farm kid, Reba McClone, a Wisconsin farm kid, kind of getting a feel for Wisconsin's agriculture diversity. And of course, that has to include cranberries. Reba had a chance to catch up with Tom Lochner from the Wisconsin Cranberry Growers. You know, now cranberries are considered a superfood as far as consumers are concerned, and that's hopefully helping them with demand. What may not have been helping? The polar vortex that they had to pull themselves through this past winter. Reba? Every fall, cranberry marshes are filled to the brim with water and berries are floating on top. But with how the weather has been, with the long, cold, drawn-out winter and the wet spring, is that cranberry harvest going to be as bountiful as in years past? Tom Lochner is the executive director of the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association, so he knows his cranberries. He guided me through the marshes of what things are looking like this spring and Wisconsin cranberry production as a whole. Cranberries are the state's largest fruit crop and Wisconsin leads the uh, country and the, the world in cranberry production. Last year we produced a little over 61% of the U.S. crop. Um, we're on about 21,000 acres of 
vines grow here in the state, and we harvested uh, last year about 550 million pounds off those acres. So we're a, a billion-dollar-a-year industry in central and northern Wisconsin that uh, grows the state's official fruit. That is a lot of cranberries. And have you seen a rise in recent years regarding interest and demand for cranberries? Well, we have, um, and we, but unfortunately, our ability to to grow cranberries is uh, past our ability to uh, sell them. So we're, um, while we're seeing demand go up worldwide for cranberries, we've been in a little bit of an oversupply situation. And over the course of the last two years, we have uh, had. limits on the amount of fruit or that was brought to the market and set aside a portion of the crop to try to get supply and uh, demand back in balance and uh, get grower returns to where we need them to be for growers to be economically sustainable. But we've seen uh, our overseas markets uh, increase to the point now where we're uh, selling about 30 to 35 percent of our crop overseas. Why does Wisconsin have such successful cranberry growth? Oh, a whole number of reasons. Uh, cranberries grew here in the wild. They're native to Wisconsin. Uh, our, the early growers found them in wild stands and actually uh, predating uh, European settlement, the Native Americans used cranberries and, and gathered them in the wild. So they've been here um, uh, since the glaciers receded. And uh, so they're a nat- natural native plant and they thrive well in the acidic soils and moist soils that we have here in Wisconsin and our uh, weather is conducive to cranberry growing as well. So uh, we've got uh, the resources, we've got uh, um, the infrastructure here in the state that's built up over time in terms of not only for uh, processing and handling the crop and storing it, but also uh, for uh, providing the inputs that growers need uh, to grow the crop, whether it's a things from equipment to specialized equipment to insurance to financing and so on. And I think we also have a a great resource at the University of Wisconsin-Madison that's provided our growers with a a lot of sound science on how to improve practices. And and we're at the point where we uh, produce uh, on a per acre basis substantially better than any of the other growing regions. And uh, all of that, um, I think, comes together in that we have probably, in my, in my opinion, some of the best growers in the country uh, growing cranberries here in Wisconsin. They're multi-generational uh, families. Um, the farms have been passed down from generation to generation, so the art and science of cranberries has uh, been passed along from generation to generation as well. Um, that's why Wisconsin, I think, is a leader in cranberry production. You talk about that multi-generational aspect, and like you said, the infrastructure for cranberries is huge in Wisconsin. And when I think about the cranberry production facilities I've been to, there's those big pits. And that's not something that can probably easily be gotten rid of once someone decides to switch. Is that part of the reason it stays so multi-generational? Well, I think it's, yeah, once you're in cranberries, it's a full-time job. I mean, you're you're not going to grow other crops. You're not going to rotate out of, uh, cranberries to another crop. And uh, that's because of the perennial nature of cranberries, that those plants, once you plant them, they're going to be there uh, 20, 30, 40 years. We even have some vines that are 100 years old that are still producing a crop. So you're in it for the long-term the investment in the property, uh, geared toward cranberries. And to be perfectly honest, the, the only uh, crop that really uh, uh, can survive and thrive in that environment of uh, highly acidic soils, low pH waters, uh, is the cranberry, and uh, 
Um, that's why we see the multi-generational farms. And plus, over over the years, the growers have managed to market their fruit to be economically sustainable as well as environmentally sustainable. And you talk about some of those vines being 100 years old. I think about how some perennials can handle some temperatures within the winter and some can't. How did this winter and maybe the polar vortexes impact some of those vines that are already that were already planted? In cranberry growing, what we've learned a long time ago is we do need to protect um, those vines over the winter um, because the fruit bud for um, the next year's crop is set on the vine in the fall of the previous year, so we have to protect that fruit bud over the winter. And here in Wisconsin, we do that by literally uh, flooding the beds when we get that first uh, sub-zero temperatures and creating a layer of ice anywhere from 12 to 14 to 16 inches that sits on top of those vines and acts as a ice mulch so that um, it protects them from the, the severe winters that we've had, the polar vortexes and things like that. So if we're able to make ice, um, that allows us to protect the vines over winter and protect those fruit buds. Um, some years it's uh, the weather is cooperative. This year um, it was cold enough that we could make some ice, but winter got a little bit long, I think, for everybody. And uh, the late snows um, caused a little bit of concern about uh, flowing down the season and uh, we were able to get going but uh, we're still um, a little bit behind where we normally would be. Speaking of kind of currently how things are going, how has this, what you said you're a little bit behind, but overall how has this really wet spring impacted the cranberries that and what the fall harvest might look like? Well, we're we're at a point where we should be uh, pretty much coming into uh, full bloom in the next week or two. Um, growers are already contracted with beekeepers and have uh, colonies being delivered uh, this week and last week for uh, pollination. Um, however, those, uh, there's, there isn't much bloom out there on the on the, the farms uh, for the bees to work on, so we're seeing some uh, um, a little bit of lateness, probably a week or two behind, just because of the cool weather. Um, hopefully, uh, and what usually happens is uh, we get a couple of weeks of, of nice warm weather and warm nights, and, and the vines catch up pretty quick. And sometimes there's a misconception, is, uh, first of all, that they grow on the standing water, which they don't. Um, so we always try to make that point um, that during the growing season, it's dry. They're growing in sand. We only flood them for harvest uh, for a short period. Um, we flood them in the winter time to protect them, and we'll flood them in the spring to control an insect pest or to... Um, protect them from severe weather. Uh, and, but uh, the rest of the year, they're in a, in a, in a dry culture. Um, they're a wetland plant. They can tolerate water, but they don't like being underwater for long periods of time when they're growing. Um, so hopefully we'll see that in the next two or three weeks. And then once we uh, get the plants, uh, the flowers pollinated and fruit set on the vines, then we can start hopefully seeing them grow into a crop. And we'll have a, a normal crop for Wisconsin again this year. So as of right now, it looks like cranberry production will be on track for what it has been in the past? <laughs> well, we got a long way to go, um, and 85% of what we do out there is dependent on Mother Nature. So if Mother Nature warms up and behaves like she normally would in a normal year, I think we should have a pretty decent crop here in Wisconsin. You also had mentioned earlier that you guys are making cranberries sustainable. And so when I think about cranberries, I think about in the fall when you're harvesting and you're flooding those beds full of water to paddle up the berries to get them to float. How do you guys focus on sustainability within cranberry growing? Well, I think it's across the whole board and the philosophy that has been ingrained in the the growers over the generations that they um, appreciate the 
the land that they are tilling, um, the land that they're cultivating for their crops, and the associated wetlands that uh, surround all cranberry marshes. Generally, we have seven, eight, or nine, maybe even ten acres of what we call support land that we have to maintain um, to support the every acre of cranberry vines that we're cultivating. And those areas have a lot of uh, wildlife associated with them. Um, they have a lot of uh, um, plant life associated with them in their areas that, that our growers are quite proud of uh, in terms of uh, wildlife areas and natural areas. So we maintain and, and manage those wetland areas um, in a sustainable manner. We, the crop doesn't require a lot of inputs in terms of fertilizers because we're just growing fruit. We're not growing the plants every year. Um, we rely a lot on university research and uh, best management practices that come out of the, um, the university um, to be sustainable. Growers are always looking for a better way to conserve water, a uh, better way to conserve uh, and minimize uh, inputs into the crop, and then uh, making sure that the water that we do um, utilize on the cranberry marsh um, is returned uh, in as good of as good a shape or even better shape than when we uh, uh, began to use it. So uh, there's a, a lot of practices and a lot of technologies that are being adopted to to make sure that we uh, have a smaller uh, carbon footprint and environmental impact as possible. That was Tom Lochner, the executive director of the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association. And it looks like if the weather ever decides to clear up, we'll have another great year for Wisconsin cranberries. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and stand up to cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Kick off 2020 in fine fashion, joining us on our farm tour to Costa Rica and Panama. I'm Pam Yankee. The dates for the tour, January 4th through the 13th, 2020. Aside from the natural beauty of Arenal Volcano National Park, Monte Verde Cloud Forest Reserve, the Panama Canal, indigenous populations, and more, we'll see agricultural highlights. Get the brochure today, 800-826-2266 or holidayvacations.com. The Crystal Grand Music Theater, your seat is the best seat. Feel the energy, up close and personal, always enjoyable, always memorable. Music, variety, comedy, and events online at crystalgrand.com. The Crystal Grand Music Theater, your seat is the best seat. 
wearing a farm cap on top of a cheese head. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Another nice day on the way, at least according to my forecast. It's 521. Let's find out about more weather details. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. I hosted my FFA Foundation golf outing yesterday, and man, what a gorgeous day. It rained quite a little bit yesterday morning, about a half an inch around the Madison area, but it was gone before we had to tee off. Beautiful day. It looks like another nice one on the way. Oh, today even nicer. I, I'd rather spend more time outside today because it will be a little bit cooler and even a little bit less humid. So a real nice turn of events here. A cool front that brought that rain yesterday off to our east and southeast, lining up this morning from lower Michigan down to southern Illinois, southern Missouri. The radar indicating pretty clear skies around here. But a few sprinkly showers, real scattered activity in southern South Dakota and Nebraska. That ought to stay off to our west. Not a concern. In fact, high pressure is building right in from the northwest, right out of Canada. And that's going to mean for the next several days, sunny skies, nice conditions, a little cooler, a little less humid. Fog late in the night or early morning may become a little more of a situation late tonight or on toward Thursday morning as well. I'll have that forecast right after this. It's an engineering feat and one you don't want to miss. I'm Pam Yonke inviting you to come along with us. We're headed to Costa Rica and Panama January 4th through the 13th. Now we'll see all the natural beauty those areas have to offer as well as agricultural highlights. And when we're in Panama, it's more than just the canal. We're also going to be visiting indigenous communities around Panama City. Get details today. Call 800-826-2266 or holidayvacations.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual provides all lines of insurance, including commercial, farm, home, and auto. And your premiums stay right here to keep Wisconsin strong. Local agents, local underwriters, local claims adjusters. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, you like the forecast today? Is it going to stay beautiful this week? It slowly warms up, especially Thursday, Friday into Saturday. We get back to normal or a little above and, and things change that way, but it stays dry. In fact, could very well stay dry till we wrap up the weekend. So today, mostly sunny skies, a really fine day, lower, call it mid 70s, 74, 75 North winds will be around five degrees, part five miles per hour. Excuse me. Partly cloudy tonight, a possibility of a little late night, early morning fog. We drop into the mid-50s. The north winds at 5. Morning fog and a sunny day tomorrow. Upper 70s, maybe an 80 at La Crosse. Calm winds and could be a little morning fog Thursday, but a sunny day around 80. Low 80s at La Crosse with calm breezes. You know, and it's uh, going to warm up, get back to normal in the low to mid-80s in the weekend, Pam, but you know, we've got several days here to enjoy and take advantage of, so hope you can do it. Yeah, indeed. All right, buddy, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. You betcha. Take care. Mm-hmm. Stumach, Ag Meteorologist, with the details you love to hear at this time of the day. Lacrosse, you're clear in 63. Mauston, partly cloudy, 63. Fond Lac, few clouds in 64. Oshkosh, cloudy in 64. Madison at the airport, clear skies, currently sitting at 64 degrees, and it is nice. But I'm already starting to notice. <laughs> Are you? Uh, sun goes down quicker. Sun comes up a little later. So let's make the most of every hour we've got out there. It's 525. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
Silver and gold shining forever. Diamonds and other exotic gemstones, some mined right here in the United States. Great prices, a helpful staff. Where can you find all of this? I'm telling you, Goodman's Jewelers. They've been in business for 85 years because they know how to treat their customers right. They've been a part of a lot of love stories in those 85 years, from engagement rings to wedding bands to necklaces, brooches. They even have officially licensed NCAA Bucky Badger. UW Jewelry. And if you've got a graduate who's maybe heading to UW, you may want to stop by Goodman's Jewelers to pick up that perfect gift. And they've got a gift for every occasion and someone to guide you along the way. Back in the day when I used to hear Jewelry Store, I thought there's nothing in there that I can afford. Stop in and talk to John and his staff and find out just how wrong we are. They've got some beautiful pieces at all price points. Their website, Goodman'sJewelers.com. Their location, 220 State Street. Same spot for those 85 years. As summertime reaches its peak, so does property crime. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers has a few tips on how to keep you and your family safe this summer. Be aware of what's happening in the neighborhood. Get to know your neighbors and look out for one another. Lock your doors, including the garage door. Unlocked doors are open invitations to intruders. Don't post on social media that you are leaving town and wait to post photos after you return from your trip. Plan your route. Stay within well-traveled routes and walk in groups. There's safety in numbers. If your child or teen will be alone a significant amount of time, have him or her check in with you if they plan to leave the house and when they arrive back home. Monitor internet and social media activity to establish children and teens are visiting appropriate sites and following guidelines. Always lock your doors and roll up your windows when you leave your car. Do not leave valuables in the car. If you must leave prized possessions in your vehicle, keep them out of sight or hidden in the trunk. And remember, if you see something, say something. If you see people or activities that seem suspicious, report your observations to Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or call 911. Do you struggle with stubborn fat bulges that hang around even with a healthy diet and regular exercise? You may be a candidate for Cool Sculpting, the world's leading non-invasive fat removal treatment. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Cool Sculpting safely and effectively freezes unwanted fat bulges without surgery or downtime. The crystallized cells are eliminated naturally through the body for long-lasting results. Advanced training through the exclusive Cool Sculpting University makes the medical providers at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie experts in body contouring. Come in for a free assessment to see if Cool Sculpting is right for you. To learn more, visit the experienced medical professionals at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie for natural, long lasting confidence and beauty. Let your natural beauty shine through. Find us at rejuvenationclinicofsuckprairie.com. Sure, you can do it yourself, but is it really worth it? Do-it-yourself plumbing is often no walk in the park, and you run the risk of leaks leading to water damage or the dangers of electrical problems or even gas leaks. It's also important your plumbing repairs meet current codes and standards. When you hire your friends from Benjamin Plumbing, you know it's fixed right, up to code, and guaranteed. The majority of Benjamin's residential plumbing repairs are more affordable than you think. Save your marriage. Save your sanity. Save your weekend. Before you roll up your sleeves and try it yourself, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing.
At Sloan Implement, we've been helping farmers just like you for 88 years. Innovative John Deere precision farming technology that'll save you money and time. We have 60 RTK towers covering 12 million acres in Wisconsin and Illinois and 21 specialists located at 20 Sloan locations to assist with your John Deere machinery and precision farming needs. At Sloan Implement, we're farmers at heart too. Saving a few bucks trying to do it yourself sounds like a great idea until you run into complications. Wiseway Flooring offers cash and carry and we'll even give you helpful tips. But if you run into trouble, we'll be right here to help you finish the project. I'm Mike Genser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit any one of our four locations and see what Wiseway can do for your flooring. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. INeedFlooringNow.com. Zach, great minds think alike. The last tweet I saw you put out, one-on-one pass rushing records through the first two days in pads. Uh, For those who don't follow Zach Halpern, those who are not among the 7,702 Zach Halpern followers you're missing out, could you please remind the the folks who who had the best record uh, in one-on-one drills? Because didn't Kyler Fackrell not win one for like three years? Who who has the best record for the Packers through two days? Can you remind me? you're remembering Kyle, Kyler Fackrell correctly. He didn't win his first two years, and then his first win came against David Bakhtiari last year. Um, but, so, I, yeah, I put those together, and actually I had um, Zedarius Smith at 4-2 at, uh, f- uh, and two and um, was like, I, bet, I mean, he was up top, and I'm like, and then Rashawn Gary was at 4-1. I'm like, that probably makes more sense to have Rashawn Gary up there. He's 4-1. and one. So Rashawn Gary has the best record. The guy that Nelson's already called a bust that he put on notice. Yeah has been the best pass rusher so far for the Packers. Interesting. Um, well, that that is interesting because – and not just – I mean, Nelson, we, we he's the king of the the horrible takes around here. But there are others. Yeah. Um, there have been listeners. Uh, you know, the co-host is not as down on Rashawn Gary as Nelson, but been critical. And, look, we're only talking about practice, and I also qualified right. earlier that sometimes the, the keeping stats at practice, you can go down a rabbit hole – uh, but yes, the yes. the opposite, Zach, would be that instead of going four and one, he went zero oh and five. And had he gone zero oh and five, we'd be having a field day with the fact that the Packers' first round draft pick hasn't won a drill yet. Yeah, it's exactly however you want to look at it. If you do not like Rashawn Gary, and he had gone, if you don't like Rashawn Gary, you can say it's, it's early. It doesn't mean anything. I want to see the I want to see the end of the game. And if you love Rashawn Gary, you can say I told you so. I told you he's going to be a beast. They, they, there was that wasn't a reach. That's not a bad move by Brian Gutekunst. So it really depends on. Your viewpoint. I'm kind of in the middle there. Like I think it's impre- I think it's been impressive, kind of what he's done. But I think like Matt Lafleur, I'd like to wait and see what it looks like in pads before declaring him, um, you know, rookie of the year material. But uh, so far, so good. I mean, it's uh, and you know, he had there were some knocks on him about his motor coming in uh, on the draft. I remember draft night. Brian Gutekunst was asked about it, and he was adamant that they had no problems, no worries whatsoever. But people still thought, you know, his production doesn't line up with his skill ability. He must not have a great motor. That hasn't been the case either. I mean, he's he's 100% every single play. It's um, it's exactly what you want to see from him so far. Yeah, I saw him tweet out, obstacles are meant to be ran through and buried. Hashtag bout that life, about? put cheese on everything, Bane Gary, second to none, and go pad go. I think he's talking about Nelson. Yeah. I think he's going to bury Nelson. Hey, some guys that... Have, some guys that have potential that I want to see that is a littler guy, but not as little as Nelson. What is with Darnell Savage and his freaking wisdom teeth? What is he ever yeah. going to come back? Well, it's a wisdom tooth to be specific. I'm sorry, I his to him, wisdom tooth. Right? No, no. It's, I I thought the same. Like I uh, talked to him Saturday 
He hasn't practiced yet. Um, he's on the non-football illness list. Um, he had uh, he had one of his wisdom teeth out uh, last week at some point, and he desperately wants to be out there. Uh, he knows that he needs to be out there, but until the Packers medical staff allows him back on, he has nothing he can do. And I'm not – he. He was kind of defensive, as I imagine I think I probably would be, too, if people thought I was being held out because I got my wisdom teeth out, when a lot of us probably had our wisdom teeth out. And, well, you got one, you know, right? Just imagine if you got all four. It'd probably be out four months. Right. But, like, we, like I assume most – well, I think three of us, probably not Nelson, have had our wisdom teeth out. Um, you know, at some point, um, you jump right back into it, right? And, like, you're out for, like, a day or two days, mm-hmm. and then you're, you know – out doing everything you want. Um, well, Zach, it, it the equivalent like, is... It seems like it's a little long. Yeah. The, I think, the, I, I, I think the only thing I can think of that's, that's limiting him coming back is, is perhaps the suction that happens with your mouth guard. Like when you put your mouth guard in, um, you know, it forms your teeth and you have there's a lot of suction there and you don't want to open up the wounds. But other than that, I can't think of anything else. Well, and again, visiting with our sports director, Zach Halliburton at Packers training camp, and it's only a couple of days. You know, the comeback would be, you know, the old... Uh, lose your spot to injury like how I know there's been some positive things written about Raven Green I mean if you're savage and the more that this goes I mean if if Raven Green continues to play well would that ever be a consideration or is it still now that's just a placeholder savage is going to be the guy and and going to start as soon as he steps back on the field I think as soon as he steps back on he's the guy Raven Green has you know know, turned some heads but um you select the Darnell Savage and moved up to take him at 21 because of what you felt about him, and he looked the part in the off-season program. So I don't. I think it's just a matter of time. Whenever he steps back on the field, he'll be the guy. Uh, but these reps that he's missing, these these four days that he's missing, are ones that you desperately want him to have. Uh, uh, Fleur said it's not worrisome, but they'd obviously like him back. And again, there's no timetable. He he didn't know. He t- he told me to go ask somebody else. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. 5.35 on the clock. Bryce Knorr, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com, joining us live via Skype in about 15 minutes. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. Not too many notables on this date in history. On this date back in 1932, the Summer Olympics opened in Los Angeles, and that was actually the second time that the city of Los Angeles got to host the multi-event international sports gathering, the 10th. Summer Olympics officially opened on this date back in 1932, and now you know. Hey, one other thing I want you to know. So I know that you get busy at this time of the day. Maybe you're trying to uh, get ready for work, or you got to take the dog out, or get the kids lined up for something, or maybe you're in the barn and you've got to keep moving. We completely understand here at the Farm Show, and we want to remind you that if you ever miss one of our shows, or if you want to re-listen to some of the guests that we've got, we make that available to you. We've got a brand new podcast that you can sign up for uh, every day. You can get a recap of all the guests, all the comments, all the content that we have for you between 5 and 6 a.m. live. All you need to do is go to MidwestFarmReport.com and get signed up for our podcast there. We'd surely welcome you to do just that. All right. Well, we are welcoming folks to renew their premise identification. Remember, in the state of Wisconsin, it is law. If you own even one animal, a a goat, a pig, a beef animal, you need to let the state of Wisconsin know where those animals are housed. It's all about traceability and making sure if an animal disease enters Wisconsin, we know where those owners may be to alert them. 
but you've got to renew that premise ID every couple of years, and July 31st is the deadline for that renewal. Reba McClone's got more. Maintaining a healthy food supply is something that's deeply important to all farmers, but being able to backtrace might not be something you think about. That's where the Wisconsin Livestock Identification Consortium, or WLIC, steps in. They help maintain a database of different locations with animals throughout the state to help track down any issues that might arise. Jody Legg is the executive director for WLIC, and she shared more information about premise IDs. So a premises ID um, is a, 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 a official a number that is assigned by um, the federal government uh, for your premises. It, it goes with your premises. So if, let's say, uh, John Smith owned a, a farm um, and John Smith moved, his premises ID would stay with the farm. He, he would move to a different farm. He'd get a different farm, because uh, a different premises ID for that farm. So the, the premises ID is associated with the, the land and it's geocoded to that particular parcel of land. Why is that something that's important to have? So it, it premises ID helps the Department of Agriculture um, in a traceback situation should there be a disease outbreak. So if, a, if an animal was um, found to have a disease or thought to have a disease, let's say it was at the marketplace or, or some other place, then uh, the, the, they would be traced back to the farm of origin and every journey along their way. Well, the premises ID is one way that the Department of Ag can trace that back. And so um, we keep those, the, the the premises ID includes all the contact information for the current owner or manager of the property, and then we keep track of the species on that property. We don't keep track of the number of species. For example, whether you have 100 cows or 1,000 cows or one cow, it would just be that we would put cattle and then we would define it as either dairy or beef. Um, it, any animal that is uh, considered livestock, uh, that includes um, goats, camels, horses, uh, chickens would that that premises would require a premises ID. Say I just have one horse at my house. Do I still need to have a premises ID number? Yes. So it doesn't matter whether you have one animal on your premises or whether you have a, a thousand animals on your premises. You do need to have a premises ID. Now that's not for pets like dogs and cats or rabbits. Um, it would be more for, um, or birds, for example. It would be more for, though, if you're, if it's poultry, like turkeys or chickens, ducks, they would require premises ID. If you have a pond with fish in it, that would require premises ID. If you have a horse, uh, that you keep as a pet, that actually would require premises ID. Um, and so on the Department of Agriculture website or at, um, our website, WIC's website, you can go visit and, and figure out if your animal is uh, considered livestock and would require you to get a premises ID. That was Jody Legg, the executive director for the Wisconsin Livestock Identification Consortium. So make sure you look into getting your premises ID renewed or getting one set up if you don't have one already. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Reba McClone. To the soybean farmer who knows the early rise, who's there even when times are hardest. Whose fingers bless Wisconsin soil. Who sows in our hearts and grows for our children. To the soybean farmer, we stand with you. Strengthen the voice of Wisconsin farmers. Join the Wisconsin Soybean Program at wisoybean.org.
You know, a building is just that, a building, but what happens inside can be magic, and that's what's happening at the UW School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. Tyler Mack is a Pennsylvania native that chose the UW School of Veterinary Medicine for the relationships he could forge with those professors. You kind of get the opportunity at the University of Wisconsin to really, like, pick the minds of all these brilliant people. For me, for example, when I would go on externships during the summers or go to places and I would see different things, I could bring back what I saw and talk to them about that, get their opinions on the matter. As some of the professors used to say, these are tools for your toolbox. Tyler Mack is now a graduate of the UW School of Veterinary Medicine and has decided to practice in Wisconsin. But the school needs more space for incoming freshmen. Find out about their expansion project, how you can write a letter, send an email, or pick up the phone in support of the UW School of Veterinary Medicine online. Animals need heroes to too.com. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. We grew up here, and many of us are farm kids through and through. So whether you have one acre or a thousand. Whether you're building a house or a legacy. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. And And we're we're ready ready to to champion champion rural together. together. Learn more at Compere.com. Compere Financial. Equal credit opportunity lender. So Wisconsin farmers continue to monitor the development of their crop, and we're feeling a little bit better about it this week. The latest update from the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service showed that the corn crop is rated 63% good to excellent, up three percentage points from last week. Soybeans, 65% good to excellent, also up three percentage points compared to last week. And the harvest has begun in many farm fields. If you've been to your roadside stands, at least in southern Wisconsin, starting to see some of the sweet corn show up. We've got Wisconsin cucumbers that are showing up. The Wisconsin potato harvest is 2% complete up in the central sands, and that crop's rated 78% good to excellent. We also have the winter wheat starting to come off in southern Wisconsin. 61% of that crop rated good to excellent. They say that about 10% of the harvest in the winter wheat has already begun, but that's 12 days behind last year, nine days behind our five-year average. Talking about that uh, situation with our crop progress, Bryce Nord joining us in just a little bit. Markets in overnight electronic trade are feeling some downward pressure. December corn's down three and a quarter at 423 and three quarters. November beans are down three and a quarter right now at 901. September wheat down three and a quarter, five dollars and a quarter cents in overnight trade. No change on barrel or block cheese yesterday. Double A butter dropped two cents to two thirty-five a pound. The fluid milk for August up two right now, seventeen sixty-three a hundred weight. September milk up a penny at seventeen ninety-five a hundred weight. All right, coming up next, going to catch up with our man Bryce Nor, commodity specialist, Farm Futures magazine, farmfutures.com. We are clicking one day closer to that August 12th crop report. What's he hearing from the fields? Bryce joins us next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches 
have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit StandUpToCancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin Strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin Strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin Strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. Filling your daily quota of cows and sows, it's the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. All righty, 546 now, rolling into a very comfortable Tuesday. Everybody checking in the low 60s so far this morning, so it was sunshine on the way. Well, he is the sunshine of our morning. Bryce Snore, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com, joining us live via Skype to give us a sense of direction in the marketplace. Uh, so we're back to watching some of the trade discussion, Bryce. Uh, Shanghai, uh, Mexico, we're never sure where Bob Lighthizer is going to be. Is the market paying attention or are we tired of this story? Well, the market's paying attention, but it's not uh, helping things uh, at all. Uh, be, because uh, there's uh, a low expectation of any type of uh, meaningful uh, progress at this meeting this week. I'll be talking for a couple days. That started today. Uh, the uh, uh, thorny issue right now is uh, they're trying to uh, make some progress on uh, uh, U.S. companies uh, selling technology to the uh, Huawei telecommunications firm. And then China supposedly following through with purchasing some U.S. farm goods, which would likely include soybeans, which would be positive. Uh, but so far, uh, uh, both sides appear to be kind of digging in a little bit. Uh, the only uh, positive news on the export front we got yesterday involving China was the export inspections report uh, showed that they uh, shipped out uh, 22 million bushels of their previous purchases. So the good news is they're taking delivery on those, not canceling them. Uh, the bad news is they aren't really adding to that total much. Uh, so the overall uh, soybean export situation remains uh, pretty sluggish for new crop. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the unfortunate part for sure. Now, speaking of new crop, so what's happening in South America? Help us. I mean, every time that the news goes away from us, it seems to go to South America. Can you give me just a quick update on what's happening in that latitude? Well, I think the expectation is that uh, with higher uh, corn prices, uh, you'll see uh, uh, some more corn acres uh, down in Argentina and Brazil. Uh, they aren't going to cut back on soybeans. Uh, they'll probably keep expanding soybeans. The currency is working in their favor. 
And even though uh, China isn't buying a lot of soybeans these days from anybody, uh, they'll pro- likely keep on buying Brazilian soybeans. So uh, we can only expect more expansion and competition there. Uh, the uh, probably the uh, biggest concern is it's uh, Brazil has had a very dry dry season. They can start planting soybeans there in mid September, but they need moisture to do it. So the question will be uh, when and if the rains return to allow them to do that. Uh, early for the market to be worrying about uh, planting soybeans in South America, but. That'll be the next thing that comes up in a month or so. Well, yeah, and that's just it. It's a, it's a world market. we got to pay attention regardless. Now, here at home, we're keeping an eye on degree growing units, uh, the calendar and the like. What did you see in this week's crop progress report, Bryce, that caught your attention? Well, we saw uh, uh, corn improve about a bushel per acre in terms of yield potential. Uh, with uh, Iowa and Illinois, uh, also Wisconsin, posting some good gains. Uh, that uh, comes despite uh, Illinois uh, having a very dry week, and it looks like uh, they're going to be uh, dry for the next week as well. So some areas of the eastern Corn Belt, uh, the farmers are uh, really starting to talk about uh, needing a drink, and it doesn't look like they're going to get it, uh, at least uh, not in the next week. Now, when you start looking at the second week of the forecast, uh, the American models uh, are saying the, the temperatures are going to be in the 70s, uh, uh, but better chances for rain. European models are saying it's going to be more like 80s, more conducive perhaps to getting this crop growing, but also drier. Uh, so uh, th- there's a lot of uncertainty as to how the end of the growing season will play out, not to mention the whole topic of early frost. Uh, none of the models are giving us much of a read on that yet. Well, that's okay. It's, we're still not done with July. I don't know that we want to start biting our nails on the early frost. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other outside indicators that uh, markets are paying attention to. It's all over the headlines. Uh, the Fed having another meeting, this constant barrage of conversations about uh, direction in interest rates and leadership, etc. I assume the market's paying attention to that too. Right. And that's what has the stock market quite nervous this week, not only the Chinese trade talks, uh, but this whole Fed Reserve meeting. Now, the market expects uh, the Fed to uh, cut interest rates for the first time in uh, 10 years uh, by uh, after uh, 10 years uh, since they uh, stopped uh, stopped uh, for the recession uh, by one quarter of one percent. The, there could be some dissent. Uh, there's some of the people who will be voting uh, around the country uh, don't believe uh, we need any cut in interest rates at all because unemployment is low. Uh, the economy is still growing, maybe a little weaker uh, than we might like, but it's uh, still growing. And there's no inflation. So um, there are a lot of mixed signals out there. And uh, traders will be watching not only the uh, amount of the cut, but just what that language is and whether or not there's some dissent when the, these Fed officials start pe- speaking publicly again. For the last week or so, they've basically been on a lockdown where they don't make public comments. Speaking of lockdown, so USDA has been spending some time resurveying uh, uh, the kind of the, what acres got planted. Are you hearing anything from your field uh, uh, farmers, Bryce, on those conversations? Well, all indications are we'll have record prevent plant acres uh, reported uh, August 12th, 
when USDA not only provides the results of their resurvey, but also what farmers certified to the Farm Service Agency. And uh, uh, but uh, the question is just, you know, uh, we know it's going to be a record, but uh, will it be 10 million or 20 million total? Mm. <laughs> There's a, obviously a pretty big difference now. Well, we're in the midst of our Farm Futures survey. We'll be releasing results on that on Monday. Uh, so uh, I'll have I will have at least some indication from farmers as to what they're uh, telling us uh, actually happened uh, this spring and summer. Mm hmm. Anything else for the good of the order, Bryce? I know there's a lot of economists out there that are also kicking up numbers now that county-by-county county market facilitation program they started to sign up yesterday. Right. Those uh, those payment uh, totals came out on Friday. We have an interactive map on farmfutures.com where you can go in and uh, check uh, what you, your county is going to be getting. Uh, the program is you know run differently rather than a per-bushel payment uh, it's on a per county basis with a, a minimum of 15 and a maximum of 150. Uh, so uh, everybody will get uh, something, and that certainly solves one of the problems that a lot of folks, uh, particularly corn growers, had with yeah. the first round of payments. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we will see what percolates then in the marketplace with the Fed and with the weather, of course. Bryce Knorr, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com, joins us live via Skype every Tuesday and Thursday to kind of give you a little direction on what's happening, not just with our commodities, but also with the stock market as well. You can read his updated comments online, uh, farmfutures.com. He always tries to do that again uh, a little bit later this morning, about 7.30. And then please remember also, and we'll talk about it with Bryce. He is going to be one of the guest speakers doing complete breakouts during the annual Farm Progress show that you can tap into as well. All right, that's all the time we've got. It's 5.55. Have a great Tuesday. This is the Farm Report.